We are looking for the government to just ensure that this kind of exploitation isn't happening in Canada. You are seeing the most violent, most degrading, most heinous crimes against women. You can't unsee those images. A knockout punch to the porn industry as New York Times writer Nicholas Kristof exposes millions of videos of women and girls being drugged and raped and racist and misogynist content all posted on Pornhub. Christoph's story led to a major investigation by credit card companies after the Montreal-based porn distributor MindGeek posted the vile videos. Credit card companies then revoked users from purchasing on the site with their bank cards. MindGeek was forced to take down the millions of abusive videos, children as young as 12 years old. It's a hellfire plague on our world. We give it a more comfortable name called sex trafficking to like not think about what the reality is. Today on Context, Nicholas Kristof is here to talk about breaking the story and how his tweet from the US to Prime Minister Trudeau gained traction in Parliament. But Glendine Gerard of Defend Dignity and Alberta MP Arnold Vriesen say the pressure must continue for the Trudeau government to have the political will to do more. Also on the program, Sathya Sam's long journey leaving porn and Garrett Johnson of Fight the New Drug talks with us from Utah about the damages viewing porn does to the many lives involved in it and how revealing secret addictions can lead to healing. Here's Maggie John with Nicholas Kristof of the New York Times. What initially sparked your interest in writing and researching this piece? Maggie, I'd written uh, quite a bit about human trafficking, and I'd, I'd certainly heard things about Pornhub. And then last summer, I thought I would do a bit of research, and I went on the site and almost immediately found um, many videos of unconscious women who were being uh, stripped naked and raped and to prove that they were completely unresponsive, the rapists were touching their eyeballs. And, you know, you can't unsee those images. And the idea that a major internet company is monetizing those videos, I found just unconscionable. Your, your article broke new ground in the form of uh, Pornhub changing their content policies. Did you receive backlash for this article? Um, you know, we're, we're in a business where we dish it out and we, of course, get it back. And so, uh, you know, on the one hand, I heard from women who and girls who'd had videos on Pornhub uh, that they could not get off. And then now those videos are off. And uh, one one wrote to me that now I can breathe again. Um, so that's wonderful to hear. You know, on the other hand, I certainly heard from many people. Um, I got death threats. I got all kinds of harassment, um, phone calls in the middle of the night. Uh, but look, um, you know, we, we do what we can to try to highlight issues. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I, I've been very impressed, I must say, and the degree to which Canadians have, um, responded and looked into this company, this Canadian company that has been inflicting rape videos on the world. Yeah. I think we all applaud you for that, for shining light on that. You, you called out MasterCard and Visa in your piece, stating that if PayPal could suspend payments, then why couldn't they? And, and we saw a subsequent response uh, with that. What was your response when MasterCard and Visa followed suit? You know, I, I think that companies have a responsibility. They talk a good game about uh, serving the public interest and uh, serving not just shareholders, but also stakeholders. And when they help 
a company monetize videos of young girls being raped or of anybody engaged in non-consensual behavior, then, you know, I think they need to rethink their strategy. So I, and, you know, once they looked into it, they immediately found illegal videos. Uh, they didn't want to be a party to illegal behavior. Um, you know, the one thing I would say, though, is that Pornhub is just one company among many. And I think it's important not just to go after Pornhub, but also those uh, like xvideos.com that uh, have been just as irresponsible. You know, what, what was disheartening as I read your article is, as you alluded to, how fast and how easy it was to find these rape videos, to find these sexual ch child abuse uh, videos. And yet I thought it was interesting because in your article, you stated that Pornhub has stated to you that they are unequivocally committed to combating sexual abuse material. Do you think that they're serious about this? No, I don't. Look, uh, you know, if I can find this in a moment, then of course they could have found it. Um, you know, I found a video in which the, you know, the, the title referred to a high school girl being led onto the, the roof of the high school and raped. And then that's what the video showed, uh, of, you know, a video of a, of a middle school girl uh, being raped by an adult. And so, you know, look, I, I, this is not my world. I don't know the kind of, you know, the expressions people use. And yet if I'm able to find this pretty quickly, then of course they could if they were actually serious about it. But when your financial interest lies in making money of this kind of content, maybe you don't look for it so intently. Pornhub's headquarters are based here in Canada, in Montreal. Um, and I know that the answers are not simple, but what do you think Canadians need to be aware of? And you pointedly said, Nicholas, that uh, this is bigger than Pornhub. Again, there are so many other websites doing the same thing who have not been committed to pulling their content off or some of their content off websites. But what can Canadians do, especially when it comes to Pornhub and what we're seeing? Well, as you suggest, Maggie, I mean, this has to be an international issue because if just one global company goes after porn companies in its jurisdiction, then that gap will be filled by another uh, company in another jurisdiction. So we need international efforts involving Canada, involving the U.S., involving Europe. And, you know, we do that in all kinds of other areas. We do that involving drugs. We uh, do that involving murders for hire, et cetera. And we do that involving intellectual property. Um, and if we can do that about pirated videos, then surely we can do that about videos of 14-year-old girls being raped and put online. And so, um, you know, if there's any forum where we need international economic cooperation, it seems to me that child sexual abuse imagery should be very high on that list. All right. Nicholas Kristoff of The New York Times, thank you again for your hard work on this story and uh, uncovering this really deep evil in our world that we need to be aware of. Thank you again. Thank you, Maggie. And thanks to all Canadians for, you know, really showing, I think, a real sense of responsibility in the response to my reporting. It warms my heart. I'm much happier without the porn. Garrett Johnson, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Tell us about your organization. The mission statement of Fight the New Drug is to educate, 
individuals, um, give them an opportunity to make an educated decision regarding the harmful effects of pornography. And the way we go about that is using science, facts, and personal accounts. What, the big thing I get, they're like, Terry Crews, you? You too? And I'm like, yeah, man. Our goal is to help people consider before consuming. What pornography did to me was it changed how I thought and felt. The New York Times writer, uh, Nicholas Kristof, broke the story. Do you think that's just a drop in the bucket or a big win against the porn industry? I think it was really good what Pornhub did. Um, it was unfortunate that they, you know, it, it took years and years and it took um, a lot of victims suffering and speaking out and being willing to use their, their voice and their name and their face. Nicholas Kristoff, his, his piece was wonderful. You know, Discover Card, Visa, MasterCard. I think from their standpoint, you know, it was just they were, what they were broadcasting was a liability. So in some ways, I think it was a huge win because they did respond. Um, they did remove, I think it was two thirds of their content off of Pornhub, which was about 10 million videos. And um, they also took off the download feature. I think at the same time, yeah, it's a big win. And at the same time, it's just kind of a drop in the bucket, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Garrett, where does all of this originate? Certainly, um, sex addiction is not new. It's um, more proliferated because of the internet, because of digital. Um, it's been around, but why now is the fight so, so important? Is it because of the digital age? We as a, an organization, I think it's important to mention that we're non-religious and non-legislative. Um, so our goal is to not, um, we're not trying to eliminate pornography. Um, obviously the illegal kinds, we're all about those justice being brought about those types of pornography. But yeah, I think that when you look at our, the name of our, our organization, Fight the New Drug, um, the, our, one argument we hear is, well, porn has been around forever. Compulsive sexual behavior has been around for years, you know. So the new part is the technology part. Um, there's a nonprofit in Minnesota and they consider there's a couple risk factors when it comes to developing compulsive sexual behavior. And the risk factors are ease of access and privacy. And so if you think about because of technology, um, people are more prone today to develop a, a compulsive sexual behavior. Uh, and unwanted porn use, so. Do you have experience in this, Garrett? Yeah, so I heard about Fight the New Drug about five or six years ago, and I went to a presentation. Uh, we do live presentations around the world, and it was a community event. I, at that time, I had a compulsive behavior around consuming pornography, and so I definitely have a personal account or I can also, I have that. So I have the studies that I've looked at, the research that's there, um, and then my personal account, so. And so how did you get out of your personal account? I was married, I still am married to that same individual, and um, we had two kids at the time, and I was consuming pornography behind um, my partner's back. Um, you know, it was six years of marriage of that without her knowing about my consumption of pornography. And so I finally told the truth. And then I wanted to build awareness 
around this. And so because Fight the New Drug was what sparked my, um, my honesty and my road toward recovery, I decided to do a project for them. So I, I was turning 30 years old. And so I ran 30 marathons in 30 days wearing handcuffs. And then I uh, rode my bicycle across the United States dragging chains. Wow, so, so this I, was penance or what was it? The, the project, the marathons <clears throat> was, uh, I, I named that project 30 and 30 in handcuffs. And then the, um, the handcuffs represented the, the addictive nature of pornography, the restriction, um, the compulsive behavior. And then the coast to coast in chains, it represented the heaviness of addiction and recovery. And the cool thing was, so I rode with chains dragging behind my bike. And by day 21, the carabiners that held the chains to my bike, the carabiners had worn away because of the friction. And so at day 21, all of the chains had been removed and I was able to finish. Um, I rode from Virginia to San Francisco. So I was able to finish without any chains. And so it just shows recovery. It shows that recovery is possible. It's symbolism there of that there is hope, even though sometimes you do feel hopeless or stuck. It's uh, wonderful what you're doing. And so thank you very much for taking yeah. the time with us. I uh, thank you guys for having us today. Leading some of the charges against pornography and human trafficking in Canada is Glendine Girard, Director of Defend Dignity and Member of Parliament for Peace River, Arnold Vriesen. Thank you both for joining us today. Glendine, I want to start with you. It's thanks in part to Defend Dignity's Choose Change campaign that uh, it said over thousands of emails were sent to MasterCard and Visa demanding they refuse users um, at Pornhub. Is this a great victory for you? What, what needs to happen next? Yeah, it's for sure a victory. Uh, I mean, we're thankful that they stopped uh, payments for, for users on their sites, but we still have a long ways to go. And we know that the main source of income for porn sites like, like Pornhub and for all of MindGeek's uh, porn sites is their advertising arm. And they use something called Traffic Junkie and Visa and MasterCard are still processing payments for their advertising. And so we think that they need to really hold true to their community and ethical standards and stop processing those payments uh, with their advertisers. And, you know, even beyond uh, Pornhub and MindGeek, there's other websites out there. We've done a bit more investigating. And so this time around, we're saying, hey, thanks for doing the little bit that you did. But there are other porn sites, uh, those beyond MindGeek, uh, where you're still processing payments. And in fact, they're being listed as the preferred method of payment on some of those sites. So they still have work to do. And uh, we'd love to see the public still engaged uh, in, in sending letters and, and tweets to the companies. Yeah, this problem is so big and so complex. MP Vriesen, uh, you along with a number of other MPs and government officials wrote a letter to the federal government demanding action and change. What still needs to happen when we look at the national level when it comes to MindGeek and Pornhub? Well, there's many, many areas we, we can be working in. Uh, we are looking for the government to just ensure that this kind of exploitation isn't happening in Canada. Uh, it was fascinating after uh, Visa and MasterCard investigated. Within three days, uh, they came back and said, yeah, there's uh, illegal activity uh, happening on these websites, so we're going to end our relationship. Uh, we uh, voiced this with the federal government way back in March already, and they have not investigated it. Um, however, uh, since the New York Times has reported on our letter, uh, MindGeek uh, pulled down 
10 million of their 13 million videos um, because they said there were some issues around uh, consent and the age of the folks in the videos. Uh, and so while MindGeek is uh, in total damage control mode, uh, we're looking for the federal government to, to regulate this and to ensure that uh, these companies aren't participating in the exploitation of women and children right here in Canada. I just point out that Pornhub MindGeek is based in uh, Montreal. Um, so this is a Canadian story. Yeah, and it is a huge Canadian story. Why do you think the federal government is dragging their feet when it comes to this issue? Well, it's just been a matter of getting the awareness, uh, uh, getting the awareness around uh, Pornhub and MindGeek and what they're up to uh, in front of the government. Uh, Glendine Gerard has done a, an amazing job of working on building that awareness. Um, and it took the, the New York Times doing a story on it to make it part of the morning press conference uh, for the for the prime minister um, to really, really bring it to the forefront. And so now it's our job to keep it in the forefront, to keep this conversation going, um, to hold to hold companies like MindGeek to account. I would say that uh, right in the parliament building, we will be having ethics committee hearings and we have called for the executive directors of MindGeek and Pornhub to show up at that and answer some questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, MP Vries, and we only have a minute left. Many argue that making sex work illegal will make an even more dangerous environment for the women involved. What are your thoughts on this as you move forward uh, to make sure, as you said, that this stays front of mind for our government? Well, it's uh, it's something that we that all Canadians need to work on. Um, I always say to folks that are concerned about human trafficking, I always say if you're concerned about human trafficking, quit looking at porn. Uh, porn is the gateway to uh, many of the exploitation um, f features in Canada, and human trafficking is happening within 10 blocks of where you live. Uh, so there are some very tangible steps that you can take in your own life uh, to help end exploitation in Canada. Yeah, such an important, important thing that both of you are doing. Thank you so much for your hard work in this area. Again, Glendine Gerard of Defend Dignity, a member of Parliament, Arnold Friesen. Thank you again. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you. Rebecca Bender was lured into the world of sex trafficking at a young age, traded for sex for six years. She now has the largest online anti- in trafficking schools, speaking around the world about the dangers of human trafficking and helping survivors get their lives back together. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today. So earlier in the show, we heard from Nicholas Kristof, who wrote that New York Times article. I understand that you know some of the uh, survivors that Nicholas interviewed. How hard was it for them to share their stories? I think anytime survivors are going that public with their story, it's really fearful. Um, there are parts that you, we haven't sometimes had time to process uh, to even be able to articulate through a, through a lens that we might feel more comfortable with years after therapy and treatment and understanding of all the trauma and the psychology. So going public with your story is really hard for most victims, let alone at the, at the scale that the New York Times piece went. <laughs> You do say that uh, this is this investigation um, that that there were some wins in this in in Nicholas being able to tell the story, but also the credit cards making the decision that they that they did. Why do you see this as a win? This is a win because I think not only like you said the credit cards pulling out, and it's always great to hit organizations that are acting you know nefariously and illicitly to hit them with their pocketbook. 
a back a, a Pornhub and MindGeek and, and whomever is all the people behind that. They're kind of scattered throughout. I know some servers are in the Netherlands, some headquarters are in Canada, and it gives legal criminal jurisdiction really a not, not a lot of weight. So you do have to get them civilly. You have to get them through their bank account, through their pocketbooks, where it's really going to hurt in order for them to make change. You cannot make money off of posting people's assaults. It's just, it's just so immoral and unethical and harmful for victims. You are now um, helping women during that long road to recovery. Um, talk to me about the school that you're running now and the education that you are able to share with these women, but also with first responders in noticing signs when it comes to human trafficking. We launched an online school at the time specifically targeting communities that didn't have any resources and it just continued to grow and now we've had we have over 800 students in 12 countries um, 400 u.s cities but multiple people in canada as well just helping survivors rebuild after trauma and, and you talk about your faith being a huge part of your healing tell me how jesus has made a difference in your life yeah i don't know that i could have gotten through this without having having him come alongside me remind me of my goodness that told you know i can remember sitting in my little government subsidized apartment after i just barely escaped and having this you know come to jesus moment with him where i said you know if this is freedom i don't want this either I, i'm i'm free from my trafficker but i'm still living in poverty i still have a criminal record i couldn't figure out how i was going to ever you know become being just become healthy and whole and and i thought this this is bad too if this is the freedom that christians talk about i don't i don't know if this feels really you know like freedom like i'm living a fulfilled independent life and i just remember feeling the holy spirit kind of say if you if you gave me the same amount of time that you gave your trafficker i will never be outdone and so i thought in that moment okay i i'll give you six years <laughs> And I'm so glad I did. I just dug my heels in as hard as it got, as many no's as I got when I would try to apply for jobs, getting on food stamps as a single mom, I'd get lots of no's, but I kept pushing and I kept pursuing and God just continued to open door and door and door and bless us and, and open this ministry to be able to serve women and, and equip communities, helping mm -hmm. first responders know what to look for, what exploitation looks like, whether it's online or in person, and the types of best practices that are really needed for victims to overcome. So I'm so grateful that I stuck in and, and gave, gave that six years. It got better much faster than that, but I, that was the word. Oh, you're doing amazing and important work. Thank you so much again, Rebecca Bender, CEO and founder of Rebecca Bender Initiative. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks. Caught in a world of pornography addiction at the age of 11, the brave story of Sathya Sam is just ahead. We can all agree that the sexual abuse of children for money is wrong and that it's, it's a plague, it's a hellfire plague on our world. We give it a more comfortable name called sex trafficking to like not think about what the reality is. We hate it, we want it gone from our world. God also hates sex trafficking. Jesus hates sex trafficking, but he actually, he actually takes it more seriously than we do. Because see, we want to get rid of sex trafficking. Jesus wants to get rid of lust from, from his world. 
right? He talks about the root, the root desire to use another human being for my personal gratification. Our next guest was first exposed to pornography at the age of 11 in a computer lab of his Christian school, which led to 15 years of addiction. Satya Sam now runs a ministry to help men break free of the addiction he struggled with for years. Thanks for joining us today, Satya. Pornhub reports that 120 million visits happen on their uh, platform daily. What does what does constant consumption of porn do for someone internally? Oh man, I mean, <laughs> we could spend hours talking about that. Uh, the reason somebody watches pornography is always to meet an internal need. Um, you know, we all have needs inside, and it's our choice whether we meet them in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. Uh, porn is obviously an unhealthy and destructive way to do that. So. When you get your needs met by something destructive, it actually begins a cycle that is uh, repeating, uh, that increases, and obviously is just destructive in nature. So it, it becomes a bottomless pit real quick, and it can leave people in some pretty dire places. This is a big problem within the church and religious communities. One estimate says that uh, around 50% of pastors have struggled with pornography. 20% of women in the church are addicted to pornography. What is it about uh, the church and its members being attracted to this? Obviously, it's a microcosm of a bigger problem, but how could the church really focus in on talking about this and being open about this? Yeah, well, it's it, it, there's layers to this. I mean, you have you have this issue that is so taboo, it's so personal, uh, and there's very few resources and outlets out there to help somebody get the help they want. Um, but then, often in a spiritual context, you know, everything is managed or or led by the senior pastor, the senior leader, and so in some ways that that leader serves as the gateway for somebody to get the help or for a congregation to become informed on a subject. And when you have a statistic like 50% of pastors are struggling to begin with, then as a pastor, that puts them in an uncomfortable position if they have a struggle themselves. Like, do you still try to help them? But as a pastor, I, I, I can know firsthand, being a fourth generation pastor myself, you, you also have this implicit pressure that if you're gonna talk about cleaning up an area of your life, you better have it cleaned up as well. You don't wanna be that hypocrite on the stage. And so I, I think you have the, the taboo nature of the subject coupled with the fact that leaders are struggling and maybe don't really want to go there themselves, let alone for their congregation, uh, that is creating sort of this, this echo chamber of people who are struggling and have no way out. It's, it's really quite debilitating from a Christian perspective. It's a cycle of silence and secrecy. I want you to quickly talk about your ministry, Deep Clean, because you are now walking with other men uh, in this journey of being clean from pornography. We only have seconds left, Satya, but just really quickly, I want you to talk about that. Yeah, I made up my mind when I was starting to get free that I would one day get completely free and do everything in my power to help as many other guys as possible get free as well. So that's what Deep Clean is. It's a seven-stage program. It really just guides uh, men through the same principles, tools, and concepts that I applied in my own life to get me free. And um, it's both research-based, I have a background in sciences, but also scripturally based, uh, being a fourth-generation pastor. So it's a comprehensive approach to getting free of pornography long-term. All right. Satya, Sam, thank you so much for your time today and for your story. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Maggie. 
Thank you all for watching. We couldn't do this program without our amazing team behind the scenes or you, our donors, who ensure Christian analysis on the news and current events are a part of the media spectrum. For more information on Context, you can go to our website, context.show. For all of us here, I'm Maggie John. Thanks for watching. Like to watch more Context Beyond the Headlines? Catch up on any of our shows online. On YouTube, search Context Beyond the Headlines for the most up-to-date episodes and extended content. Listen on the go with Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Check out our reporters and producers' stories at our website, context.show. Follow us on Instagram at Context Beyond the Headlines and Twitter at Context TV. There are so many ways to put more context into your life.